Chapter 26 of Ben the Luggage Boy or Among the Wharfs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gillian Hendry. Ben the Luggage Boy or Among the Wharfs by Horatio Alger, Jr. The Prodigal's Return on Sunday evening, Ben, in company with his sister, her husband, and Charles, attended a sacred concert in Steinway Hall. As he stepped within the vestibule, he saw two street boys outside whom he knew well. Their attire was very similar to that which he had himself worn until the day before. They looked at Ben, but never thought of identifying him with the baggage smasher with whom they had often bunked together. See what it is, thought Ben, to be well-dressed and have fashionable friends. As he sat in a reserved seat, but a little distance from the platform, surrounded by well-dressed people, he was sometimes tempted to doubt whether he was the same boy who a few days before was wandering about the streets, a friendless outcast. The change was so complete and wonderful that he seemed to himself a new boy, but he enjoyed the change. It seemed a good deal pleasanter resting in the luxurious bedchamber which he shared with Charles at his sister's house than the chance accommodations to which he had been accustomed. On Monday, he started for Philadelphia on his journey home. We will precede him. Mrs. Brandon sat in an armchair before the fire, knitting. She was not old, but care and sorrow had threaded her dark hair with silver, and on her brow there were traces of a sorrow patiently borne, but none the less deeply felt. She had never recovered from the loss of her son. Her daughter Mary had inherited something of her father's self-contained, undemonstrative manner, but Ben had been impulsive and affectionate, and had always been very near his mother's heart. To feel that he had passed from her sight was a great sorrow, but it was a greater still not to know where he was. He might be suffering pain or privation. He might have fallen into bad and vicious habits for aught she knew. It would have been a relief, though a sad one, to know that he was dead. But nothing whatever had been heard of him since the letter of which the reader is already aware. Since Mary's marriage, Mrs. Brandon had been very much alone. Her husband was so taciturn and reserved that he was not much company for her. So she was left very much to her own thoughts, and these dwelt often upon Ben, though six years had elapsed since he left home. If I could see him once more, she often said to herself, I could die in peace. So Mrs. Brandon was busily thinking of Ben on that Monday morning as she sat knitting before the fire, little thinking that God had heard her prayer and that the son whom she so longed to see was close at hand. He was even then coming up the gravelled walk that led to the house. It may be imagined that Ben's heart beat with unwanted excitement as the scenes of his early boyhood once more appeared before him. A thousand boyish memories returned to him as he trod the familiar street. 
He met persons whom he knew, but they showed no recognition of him. Six years had wrought too great a change in him. He rang the bell. The summons was answered by the servant, the only one employed in Mrs. Brandon's modest establishment. "'Is Mrs. Brandon at home?' asked Ben. "'Yes,' answered the girl. "'Will you walk in?' Ben stepped into the entry, and the girl opened the door of the room in which Mrs. Brandon was seated. Mrs. Brandon looked up. She saw, standing at the door, a well-grown lad of sixteen, with a face browned by long exposure to the sun and air. It was six years since she had seen Ben, but in spite of the changes which time may have wrought, a mother's heart is not easily deceived. A wild hope sprang up in her heart. She tried to rise from her chair, but her excitement was so great that her limbs refused their office. "'Mother!' exclaimed Ben, and hurrying forward he threw his arms around his mother's neck. "'God be thanked!' she exclaimed with heartfelt gratitude. "'I have missed you so much, Ben!' Ben's heart reproached him as he saw the traces of sorrow upon his mother's face and felt that he had been the cause. "'Forgive me, mother,' he said. "'It is all forgotten now. I am so happy,' she answered, her eyes filled with joyful tears. They sat down together, and Ben began to tell his story. In the midst of it, his father entered. He stopped short when he saw Ben sitting beside his mother. "'It is Ben come back!' said his mother joyfully. Mr. Brandon did not fall on his son's neck and kiss him. That was not his way. He held out his hand and said, Benjamin, I am very glad to see you. In the evening they talked together over the new plans which Ben's return suggested. You must stay with us, Ben, said his mother. I cannot part with you now. I am getting old, Benjamin, said his father. I need help in my business. You must stay and help me, and by and by you shall have the whole charge of it. I am afraid I don't know enough, said Ben. I haven't studied any since I left home. I don't know as much as I did when I was ten. You shall study at home for a year, said his father. The teacher of the academy shall give you private lessons. You can learn a great deal in a year if you set about it. To this arrangement Ben acceded. He is now studying at home, and his abilities being excellent, and his ambition excited, is making remarkable progress. Next year he will assist his father. Mr. Brandon seems to have changed greatly. He is no longer stern and hard, but gentle and forbearing, and is evidently proud of Ben, who would run a chance of being spoiled by overindulgence if his hard discipline as a street boy had not given him a manliness and self-reliance above his years. He is gradually laying aside the injurious habits which he acquired in his street life, and I confidently hope for him a worthy and useful manhood. From time to time, Ben visits New York and renews his intimacy with his cousin Charles, who returns his warm affection. Charles, in turn, spends the summer at Cedarville, where they are inseparable. So we bid farewell to Ben, the luggage boy, 
hoping that he may be able to repay his mother in part for the sorrow which his long absence occasioned her, and that she may live long to enjoy his society. To my young readers, who have received my stories of street life with so much indulgence, I bid a brief farewell, hoping to present them ere long the sixth volume of the Ragged Dick series, under the title of Rufus and Rose, or The Fortunes of Rough and Ready. End of chapter 26 End of Ben the Luggage Boy, or Among the Wharfs, by Horatio Alger, Jr.